We are picking it up in Ephesians. We're continuing to work through uh, the book of Ephesians. And we're going to spend the next couple of weeks on Ephesians 5, uh, 15 through 17. And we're going to talk about being time-wise or wise with their time. I, I looked on the internet. It's actually some sort of makeup product or something. Time-wise. <laughs> I was looking for a picture for time-wise, and it just came with the makeup. That's why I didn't put a picture up there. So... Not that I know anything about makeup, but <coughs> anyways, we should pray. Uh, Father, we thank you, uh, God, for your presence here, and we thank you that you want to teach us, and we thank you, God, that you want to build into us. So we ask, God, for the power of your Holy Spirit upon this time, uh, that, um, God, you'd watch over my words, you'd watch over our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, this is our text uh, for the next couple weeks. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. That's the NIV. The ESV has that phrase, making the best use of the time. So making the most of every opportunity or making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Is. And so this text is calling us to be wise with our opportunities, wise with the way we use our time, uh, wise in terms of understanding what God's will is. Uh, that it's actually foolish for us not to know what God's will is. And that's what we're going to primarily talk about next week is how do we know what God's will is? Because sometimes we ask, I don't, is this God's will or is this not God's will or is it or isn't it? And we get confused. How do we know if something is God's will? Uh, but we're going to focus more today on making the best use of time, uh, talking about our schedules, making the most of every opportunity. And uh, when it comes to time, uh, it seems a common theme for most people is just, I just don't have enough. <laughs> that is, it's too busy, and I got so much stuff on my to-do list uh, that I'm busy. Uh, at least I know I'm in that category. I mean, usually when people ask me, especially the last few months, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm busy. It's busy. It's too busy. And it seems that's pretty common uh, amongst a, a lot of people, that they just feel really, really busy. Uh, retired people feel busy, and people who are working feel busy. I mean, everybody feels busy. It doesn't matter who you are. A lot of people just feel busy. And uh, in fact, uh, I think I've done this before, but I'm going to use a little rock illustration to illustrate a bit of our use of time. Uh, this uh, picture is kind of stands for our 24 hours or a week or a month, whatever, a period of time. And then in, uh, in our time, we have these little rocks here uh, going to stand for all the little things that fill up our day that really aren't super important, but that we do. Uh, things like, you know, checking the news or Facebook or email or surfing the web or randomly just aimlessly wandering through Canadian Tire looking for something. All those things that, I mean, they're different for everybody, but there's a lot of things that actually fill up our day that aren't super important, but we kind of like to do, and, and we do that. And that, and that fills up actually quite a bit of, of our life. And then we have things that are really important to us. Uh, things that are, should be our priorities that we know are really important. I mean, you have things like, like, our, like our family. Uh, maybe you have a job that you have to go to. Uh, you have church friends or church or a ministry, and, and you try to add that in. And then, uh, and then you have God, right? And, and this is how a lot of our, our, our schedule looks like. It doesn't fit. And so what do we do? 
it doesn't all fit, well, we go, well something's got to go. And isn't that funny how often it's God? When the commandment is to seek first the kingdom of God, it's often, well, I don't quite have enough time to do devotions today. I don't have a quick, not time to be unhurried in this presence. Definitely, maybe not, I don't have time for church or definitely a ministry or just anything kind of like a lot of kingdom stuff tends to go. Or, or maybe for some of you, it's like I'll, keep, I'll try to keep the God if I can fit it in there. But maybe, maybe family and friends or, you know, maybe it's got to be that. Or maybe I'll take this out and see if it can fit. And it's just like I don't have enough time. It's overflowing. Busy. It's kind of like our world today is I don't have enough time for all the things I, I should be doing or need to be doing. And a lot of times uh, we are not living what we think our priorities should be. Now, we're always living our priorities because we always make time for what's important. But uh, we always think I should be probably spending more time with this, but I don't have time. It's just, it's just full and it's just busy, 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 busy. And that's what kind of life is, is like these days. Now, I want to note a couple things about busyness. First of all, being busy is not always a sin. Because the Bible, on the other hand, talks a lot about being lazy. I mean, there's this contrast between way too busy and being lazy. And uh, both of those, those extremes are sinful. Uh, Proverbs 6.6 6 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. In other words, ants are busy. They get a lot of work done. And we are people who are actually to be accomplishing things in this life and for the kingdom and for our families. Ecclesiastes says, Through laziness, the rafters sag. Because of idle hands, the house leaks. Uh, Ephesians 2 tells us that we are actually God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so we were not created just to sit around. That work is actually a good thing. And sometimes we think work is like the enemy but do you know, even when uh, God created Adam and Eve before uh, sin ever entered the world, when it was still a perfect world, God said to Adam and Eve, take care of the garden. There's something in us that wants to create. There's something in us that wants to be builders, that wants to be doers, that wants to work. And we shouldn't suppress that. We are called to be, in a sense, busy doing things, but making sure those are the important things. And busyness also is different for different people. Uh, you have made us notice that some people can live at a higher RPM than other people. And you need to sometimes determine where your RPM, when you begin to redline. Because there's some people I look at and go, man, they're not doing a lot, but they're tired because they just have a lower RPM. And there's other people who are doing way more than me. I'm like, man, I would die, but they just have a different RPM. And so this is different for, for each of us. But we are called to be workers and uh, creators, and, and that is a good thing. Uh, but on the other hand, being overly busy is a sin. And uh, how do you know when you're overly busy? How do you know when you've crossed that line from being good busy to like bad busy, overly busy? I think the easiest way is uh, when you're too busy uh, that it begins to interfere with you loving God and loving people. That's when you know it becomes sinful. When your busyness interferes with the great commandment, you know you have moved from good busy to bad busy. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 22, uh, this is when he was asked, what is the greatest command? What is the most important rock, you know, for my, for my container? Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. In other words, the biggest rock that we should have, the biggest priority is to be God. That, that we are to be God-centered, God-focused. Everything should spill out of our relationship with God. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And the entire law can be, uh, uh, and, and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. That these two are the most important. And it's funny that when you get busy, these are the first two things to go. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me, I don't know, but it seems that when I get too busy, I just like, I just don't quite have enough time to, to spend with God today. I got to shorten it. Uh, I don't, I, I, it's, it's rushed. I got to get through my prayer, my worship, whatever. Uh, I, I just feel rushed in the presence of God. I don't have quite enough time for my family or for friends. And, and, and it, it seems, at least for me, when I get overly busy, the first two things to go often are my deep connection with God and connection with friends and family. And, and this means you've crossed from being busy to overly busy when it interferes with the great command in your life. In fact, there are some uh, symptoms of being overly busy. And you'll notice that all of these symptoms, most of them at least, will interfere with your ability to love God and love people. Again, you know you've crossed to being sinfully busy when you can't love God and people the way you should. Uh, Here's some symptoms of being sinfully busy. You have no unhurried time to connect with God. Uh, You just are rushed in your devotions or you just don't do them at all. Because you're just too busy. I don't have time to connect with the God of the universe, the, the one who I'm to get all my life from. I just don't have, I just don't have time. I'm too busy. i got too many things to do. Uh, you're not fully present when connecting with people. You're talking and looking at them, but your mind is entirely in a different spot. Or you're thinking, like, I really don't have time for this. i got to be doing other things. Uh, interruptions become very inconvenient. Now, you'll notice something about Jesus. Jesus always made time for interruptions. He always had time for interruptions. We're to look at him as a model for a use of time. But when you're overly busy, any interruption is just like, oh, this is frustrating. And I got, this is gonna, now I've got to be more busy because I've got to make up for this time. I've got to put it somewhere else. And, and you really begin to overflow your bucket. Uh, you begin to blame others. It's other people's fault. Other people just do more or help me or step in or do something. And we fail, especially when we're overly busy, to actually look at who's running the court, who's running, who's running your life. It's you. But we tend, when we get overly busy and frustrated and overly overwhelmed, to begin to blame others. We get jealous of other people. We scroll through Facebook and see them on the beach at Mexico, where we we, uh, uh, see them just sitting there. You drive by someone just sitting in their yard having a fire, a bonfire. It's like, why do people have time for this? I don't have time for this. And you get jealous. You begin to covet other people's lives because you are just overflowing. Like, how could I have time for that? Uh, You get anxious. Because you're just overwhelmed. You get filled with anxiety and you feel like you're stuck. You feel like there's no way, you're just, you're just trapped. In fact, you get in this, uh, this busyness cycle, which where you're really busy. And because you're busy, you get overwhelmed because you don't have enough time to do all the things you need to do. Then you get filled with anxiety and that just generally makes you less effective. And because you're less effective, you got more work to do because everything takes longer to do. And then you get more busy and then this thing just keeps going around and around until you burn out. And there's a lot of people just like, man, I'm just, I just, I was chatting to someone else who just said yesterday, man, I just really needed a week off. I just really needed to get away for a week. And, and a lot of people are like that, just busy, 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 overly busy, not able to love God as they want, not able to love their family or friends as they want because they're too busy. And again, it's funny how those often are the first two rocks to be dumped, is seeking first the kingdom and deeply loving our spiritual family, and our biological family. Now, why are we so busy? And there's lots of answers to this. And it's probably maybe different for some of you, but I just want to look at three. 
Uh, one is actually technology. Um, and this is weird because you've probably read some of these things at the time, that, that the predictions for nowadays were that we would have lots of leisure time and that we would not be busy. In fact, uh, uh, Time Magazine 1965 said we, because of computers and technology, that everyone would be down to a 20-hour work week. And we'd be flooded with all this leisure time. But here's the funny thing with technology. And I'm not sure if I, no, I didn't put it in there. Uh, the funny thing with technology is that it does save us time in a lot of areas. It does make things a lot more convenient. I mean, even old technology like a car. I didn't have to saddle up the horse and buggy and, you know, come to church. It would have taken me a lot longer, but I can drive here in 15 minutes or 20 minutes. I can get here. I mean, technology is helpful and computer technology and having schedules on your phone and those, that's very helpful. But at the same time, technology has uh, made things easier, but it has also made us far busier. Uh, studies actually show that people actually work less nowadays than they used to, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. We take way more vacations. We actually have more leisure time. But generally, people feel way more busy. And part of the answer is technology. That technology saves us time, but actually makes us feel more busy. There used to be a day that you would go to the doctor's office, and you'd just sit there and just kind of wait. Or you might pick up a magazine and kind of feel relaxed. But now you can bring your work there. You can check emails and Facebook and things are ringing and dinging and clicking and talking into you. And, and you're just engaged all the time. And there's Facebook. And there's always something new on Facebook. If you keep scrolling down, eventually you find something exciting. And you just keep going. And the studies have shown that actually gives us, our body senses that as busyness. Even though that we want to, I just need to relax and look at Facebook. I just need to relax and check my email. That it gives your body the sense of busyness. Technology has given this incredible sense of busyness. And part of the answer is actually disciplining ourselves when it comes to technology. It saves time, but it makes us feel really, really busy because there's always ringing and dinging and always new information. We can always research more. We can always check more. And there's always so much. It makes us feel busy. Technology is one of the huge reasons why we are overly busy. A second big thing is that we generally have an idol of busyness and, product and productivity in this culture. Uh, that we see that as valuable. Busy people and, and people who produce a lot are the valuable ones in our society. Uh, but this is, this is our society. We, uh, we have this idea that, that we get life from our things. We get life from being busy. We get life from productivity. Uh, I don't know, like, I'm like this. I know if, if I don't get a, a lot accomplished in a day, I feel like, you know, I suck. Because we actually derive a lot of life from productivity. Or uh, when people ask, how are you doing? And you say, busy. There's something that feels good about that. And, and there's something that, that we make an idol of. We get life out of feeling busy. Because in our culture, this idea of busyness and productivity is, is elevated. And if you're not in that category of elevated busyness and producing a lot, somehow you're just not, you're not a cream of the crop. You're not quite, you haven't quite arrived. And it becomes an idol where we, we get our life, not from Jesus, but a lot of times we will get our life from, from productivity. And we get our life from being busy. And if you can't produce, all of a sudden you just feel like you're not, you just had a bad day. It's part of learning to always, always, always be getting your life from Jesus. So when you don't accomplish a lot during the day, you still feel good. 
Because your life is not from your productivity. Your life comes from Jesus. But our culture is just saturated with this productivity and busyness. And you got to be there. And if you're not there, there's something wrong with you. And we got to run from that and realize our life comes from Jesus. And third, and here's where we get to our text. Uh, that we often manage our schedules without checking in with God. Ephesians 5 again says, be very careful then how you live. And a lot of times we're not very careful. We just, any opportunity that comes our way, we grab it. Or, you know, some people, any opportunity that comes their way, they always say no. They just, some people always say yes. Some people always say no. Uh, some people are super busy because they always say yes. Some people are not busy because they always say no. But we're to be very careful. We don't just make rash decisions. We don't just live life like on a train track. We uh, are to be wise, not unwise, making the most of every opportunity, the most of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That we're actually to be seeking God's will when it comes to our schedule. And a lot of times we're just kind of foolish. We just kind of fill it up with stuff. And because it's full, we don't have room for certain things. Or we're not careful how we live. We just live really, really crazy or whatever it might be. We're actually to be careful with our time. We're not to be foolish. We're to understand what God's will is for our time and for our schedule and for our day. Jesus is our example on everything. But he's also our example on how to use time. Jesus did not say yes to every opportunity. Uh, Jesus was not like some crazy person who always just said no at first and then, you know, kind of decided. This, this verse really is going to be our theme verse for the next two ver- uh, weeks. Uh, John 5, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Uh, also does. In other words, the only thing that Jesus put in his 24 hours or his week or his month were things that the father was in. The things that were the father were, was leading him to. The things that were the father's will. Again, we're not to be foolish just to throw everything into our container so it's overflowing, but to understand what God's will is. To understand where he is calling or not calling us. Uh, we see Jesus uh, spending a lot of time seeking God. Because the reality is you cannot know what God's will is unless you're checking in with him. Uh, You can't know what to put in or what to take out if you're not connecting in with the Lord of this universe. And we see Jesus, before he made important decisions, spent time in prayer. Like Luke 6, it says, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night. How big was his rock? His God rock. All night. Because why? There's a really important decision to make in the morning. How often when you have a really important decision... Maybe, maybe I'll give 10 minutes of prayer. That sounds pretty good. But Jesus here, he spends all night. And this is Jesus. All night. And then at daybreak, he called together all his disciples. He had lots of disciples, not just 12. He had tons. And out of those bunch of disciples, he chose 12 of them to be apostles. And so he seeks God. He's not foolish, but he's wanting to understand what the Father's will is because he only wants to stick in here the things that are approved by the Father. And so that's what he does. That's how he makes his decisions. And there are times when he actually says no to really good opportunities because he's always walking in tune with the Father. In Mark 1, it says, That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak 
because they know who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, where was that rock in Jesus' life? It was the big rock. It was the most important rock. Even though he's extremely busy, he makes sure that he has time to connect with the Father because everything in his life he wanted to make sure was of the Father. And the only way he can do that is to have unhurried time in the presence of God to connect with him and allow him to love you and so you can hear his voice. And so he goes and he prays. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. There's more sick people to be healed. There's more people with diseases. There's more people who need to hear about the kingdom. This is an amazing opportunity. Last night, the whole town gathered, and there's more people that want to hear. This is revival. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. He says, he says no. Now, in anybody's right mind, you would just say yes, automatically. You'd think that's, this looks really good. This looks like a beautiful opportunity, so let's do it. But he is able to say no because he was checking in with God. Is this, should I, is this what your will is? Should I stay and keep ministering here or should I go there? He, and God, as the Father says no. And it's how he's able to make that decision. A lot of times we will make uh, decisions and get more busy because we have not been checking in with the Father. Just because something looks like a great opportunity doesn't mean it's for you. And just because you look at something and you don't think it's for you and you think that's not for me and I shouldn't do that doesn't mean it's not. Sometimes when you're checking with God, we'll call you to do things you don't want to do. Sometimes he'll call you to go somewhere else even though you want to do things because he is to be the Lord. And we're not to be foolish but to understand what the Lord is. Uh, We do see Jesus being busy. Uh, Jesus had some extremely busy days. But it's interesting, Jesus never seemed to be in a rush. He never seemed to be hurried. He uh, always had time for interruptions. Uh, Do you? I mean, he was able, uh, when you organize things around God, to, to, to carry out your life in a way that there's actually time for interruptions. I mean, this was one of those busy days. This was right after Jesus found out that his uh, good friend, John the Baptist, his ministry partner or pre-ministry partner had been killed. And uh, when you hear news like that, you just want to get away. You just want to just get away, and it's what Jesus wants to do. And then because so many people were coming and going, that they did not have even uh, have a chance to eat. That's how busy he was. Again, it's not always sinful to be really busy. There will be periods or days which are so busy, you just don't have time for anything. But the problem is when that's stretched out and it keeps going. He didn't have time to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and let's get some rest. Let's eat. Let's recover. I need to mourn John the Baptist. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. It's a good place to go. When you try to connect with God, one thing you should do is just leave your phone somewhere else. I mean, I do all my journaling and praying, typing on the computer, but there's actually a time when I had to put away my computer because I kept being tempted by Facebook or email or uh, there was a ding and, oh, that must be something really important for me. Uh, that doesn't work very well. Just put it away. Just, you, you can do it for half an hour, really, or uh, 20 minutes or however your time is. You can do it. Just put it away to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, note what he says, not 
oh, I can't believe this. I'm so tired. I feel exhausted. I don't have time for this. I can't believe this is horrible. I was just trying to get away. I've been so busy. He's just. He has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And not only does he have compassion, but it says he began to teach them not just some things so he could get them away, but many things. Jesus always had time for interruptions. Even when he was extremely busy, he knew how to build rest generally around his life. So when that busy episode came up, he still had life and energy to love people. Again, you know when you get too busy, when you uh, shrink back on your ability to love God and love people. Jesus never did that, even though he was busy, because he had this reservoir of spending time with, with God. And we see Jesus doing this a lot. I mean, uh, when he was going to heal the synagogue leader's daughter, who was about to die, in fact, did die, he gets interrupted by this woman who's been bleeding. And he doesn't say, well, I'm in a rush. I got to go. I'm late. You got to go. He stops, speaks with her, ministers to her. Again, he had time for interruptions. And we need to make sure that we have an allowance of some time in, in our schedule for God to give us interruptions and to not freak out and say, I'm late. I don't have time. It probably means you're too busy if you don't have time for interruptions. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. He spent the whole day with them. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages to buy the, uh, themselves uh, uh, some food to eat. Eventually, sends them away, but then notice what he does. Now again, what is the biggest rock for Jesus? Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. He goes up on the mountainside again because he's got to check in with God. He's got to check in because he doesn't want to be foolish, but he wants to understand what the Father's will is. I mean, do, do, do we check in with God like that? Are we checking in with him a day? Are we surrendering our day, day to him? When opportunities are presented, do we not automatically say yes or no, but say, you know, I want to pray, but I want to think about that, and we bring that before, before the Father. You see, here's the key in Jesus' life, and this is a key for our life when it comes to uh, our schedule. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things that we really need will be given to us. And this is in the context of a hurried, buried, uh, bustling life filled with anxiety. It talks about people who are worried about their clothes and worried about what to eat and freaking out and they're busy. And Jesus says, this is his answer, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. And this is the way it works. The funny thing is, and we can illustrate with our rocks, is if you take the most important rock, the God rock, and you actually put it in first, and then you take other things that are to be priorities in your life, like maybe your family, your biological family, your church family, and you, uh, you put these really, really important things in your life first, and then, funny how all these other little things fit in there with, with room to spare. This, this is that text. Seek first the kingdom, put in the big rock as Jesus did, First in your life, you seek him and his righteousness, and all these things that you really need will be given you. Things that you need, like he leads you besides quiet waters, and he restores your soul. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Uh, don't be anxious, but by everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. God wants you to be refreshed. He wants you to be someone who, if you are interrupted, you have the capacity to actually love that person rather than to be, oh. He wants you to have the capacity to be able to love God and love people, and being sinfully busy gets in the way of that. The answer, funny enough, is actually to seek first the kingdom. It's actually to make sure that that big rock, which often goes away first, is actually to be the first rock in your day, the first rock in your time. Uh, Romans 11 said, and we, I think we talked about this in the fall, the principle of first fruits, that if the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. And if the root is holy, then the branches are also holy. The otherwise, if you give God the first part of your day, it's amazing how the rest of the day just has this blessing on it. That when you put, seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things will be given you. That when you say, God is the most important thing in my life, I'm going to put that rock in first of my day, it's my tithe of my day or whatever. It is amazing just when you tithe your finances, how God blesses the 90%, how when you tithe of your time. Now, it doesn't have to be two hours, but because you're sleeping, however that works. But when you give them the first fruits, how there's this blessing. You ever notice that? How just sometimes when you spend time with God in the morning, just the rest of your day, just, you just seem to be more at peace. When troubles come your way, this doesn't mean you're not going to have troubles. Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles, but they just seem easier to handle because you've checked in with God and, and you're filled with him. Martin Luther famously said this, I have so much to do today that I am going to need to spend three hours in prayer in order to be able to get it all done. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things that we need will be given to us. Martin Luther understood this way more than I would ever would because usually I mean, I'm really busy today. Not, no, personally, and I mean, I try, like to try to spend an hour with God every day, but sometimes I'm really busy. I'm like, I'm going to do 20 minutes, but Martin Luther was like, the other way. I need to spend more time because when I seek first the kingdom of there is something that just the, the Holy Spirit just begins to, to hover over my day and things just seem to go work and I have, I have better ideas and things get done more quickly. And I've really learned this for preaching because, man, I have been just pulling out my hair at times. I just don't know what to preach on or this is not working. And, and a lot of times if I just stop and just go spend some time with Jesus and seek first the kingdom of God, and say, God, what do you want me to say? Where, where are you leading me in this? I go back, and it's amazing. I can get like six hours work done like in an hour. Because God is, he, he's supernaturally able to do amazing things with your schedule. Remember Joshua? Gave him a long day. Supernatural ability to, to make all these things you have to do less. Zechariah 4, 6 says, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Is that how your schedule is run? All your schedule by your might and your power? How about allowing some of the Spirit into your schedule? Allowing God to work in your schedule. To actually invite Him into your day as Jesus did, as He went up on the mountainside with this empty cup and saying, God, here's my next week, here's my next month, here's my next year. Father, where are you leading me? What are you wanting me to actually put in my cup? Proverbs 3, 6, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Some days our days can be really windy and crooked and it takes a long time. But it's funny how long it takes to take a windy road, but how quick it is to make a straight road. Sometimes when we just offer our day over to God and we seek first, he takes this really twisty day of things that we have to do and he makes it straight. I love this cartoon because I think this is often God. 
He's trying to help them. He's trying to make them more efficient. But they're like, no, they are too busy. <laughs> now, how often is that, I think, God doing that to us? I mean, we're like, I got all this stuff to do. I don't have time for devotions. I don't have time to connect with you. I don't have time to worship. I don't have time for church this week. I just don't have time for God. I got, I got all these things to do. And God is like, if you just tech in with me, I'd give you a lot of wisdom about what you need to do. And that three hours is going to be one hour. And that messy conversation you need to have, which is going to stress you out, my peace is going to fall on that conversation. It's going to be beautiful. And I'm trying to help you. Would you check in with me? I mean, God's not doing this to be mean. Seek first the kingdom. He's like, seek first the kingdom. I love you. You are my, ch- you are my child. I, w- I want you to be a part of your day. This is why it's important that we are connecting with him. I think I've used this quote before, A.W. Tozer. As God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved at once. Dallas Willard, he said that we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. I mean, we must seek first the kingdom of God. There's one thing that is super important is that you have the God rock in your life sometime during the day. Right? You spend time with just unhurried where you can put on some worship music and worship where you can read scripture, where you can pray, where you can pull out your journal and, and ask God questions and listen for his voice and, and write down what you think he is saying, just a time where it's unhurried, where you can connect with him because this is where our life comes from. And when you're connecting with Jesus and you're getting your life from that, you don't have to get your life from your busyness. You don't have to get your life from productivity. You don't have to get your life from trying to be impressive to other people. You can just, God, I just want to impress you and I just want to do those things that you want me to do. Now, this does not mean that we're excused from little menial tasks. Because sometimes people say, well, I just don't feel called to do the dishes. You know? I don't feel called to mow the lawn, you know. Uh, I don't feel called to do this little thing at church. I mean, no matter what, there are menial tasks that we need to do, uh, both in your home and in this home, the church, that it's not like, I don't feel called to do it. Jesus did those things. No one wanted to wash feet. Jesus, being God of this universe, had time even for menial things to wash the feet of the disciples, and after he washed you, he says, hey, I'm a teacher, but I'm showing you how to be a servant, and we are to be servants as well. Do you have time to be a servant? Do you have time for interruptions? Uh, do you have time to check in with God and ask him, is this really what you, you're calling me to do? Uh, we are not to be foolish, but to understand what the Lord's will is. And next week, we're going to get more into this and talk about how is it do we find out what God's will is. I got this decision I got to make, or I got these opportunities. How do I know if it's this one or this one I should take? How do we do that? And that's going to be next week. So I'm going to invite the worship team up, and um, we're going to close, as usual, with a couple songs. Uh, this is one of those times. Uh, worship is really important. When we come here to sing, uh, this is not just something that is like the prelude to the sermon. This is actually one of those times where we're seeking first the kingdom of God. Where we are here saying, God, you are the most important thing. You know, I might, I might, in my flesh, be rather mowing my lawn. I got a lot of stuff to do, but I'm going to take this time and just be unhurried in your presence and just love on you and worship you. And it's amazing how God can touch you when you are seeking first his face. And that's why we worship. And that's what we're going to do as we close this service.